This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Good morning, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. You've got a busy today, day today, so we are talking at six o'clock in the morning. Yep, and it's dark for both of us, because usually when we're talking, if we're talking in the evening, it's dark in Fakatani, but it's still beautiful sunshine and lovely in Dunedin, so it's kind of weird that we've both got a dark. And we have decided that it's time that we just have a chat about what's happened over the summer because we've hardly spoken. And the only time we have spoken, we were interviewing somebody else. And so (laughs) we didn't actually get. And your holiday, your all your trips around just seem amazing. And I want to know about where you've been and what you've done. (laughs) So you first. Have you been? I've been very well. Um, my um, Since my gastric sleeve surgery five months ago, I've managed to lose. I'm coming up to 40 kilos that I've lost. So I feel amazing and I'm just a few kilos away from the goal weight that surgeon for me. I've got seven kilos to go um, or maybe less. I haven't stood on the scales for a week. Uh, and so the, the summer has just been about being at home, being in the garden with Jack, who's just started high school last week. Uh, and growing a lot of beautiful food and preserving. So it's just been amazing, actually. How are your raised gardens going? They're so good. So I planted zucchini and corn, um, and the corn was interesting because everyone said you cannot grow corn in a planter box. It will be stunted. It won't grow any fruit. It'll be terrible. So I planted some in the ground and some in the planter box to run a side-by-side experiment. And um, what was in the planter box was um, grown and harvested and eaten before what was in the ground even produced any fruit at all. So it it was quite amazing. And the plants were big and lush and the corn cobs were incredible. I learned some lessons about um, what I didn't know about corn. So, you know, when you open up a corn cob um, and sometimes there's there's, uh, pieces of corn missing from the top, that's because those strands of the silk that come out didn't get pollinated. So each one of those strands that you see in a corn cob is a little piece of corn. So I didn't know that. So that was interesting. <laughs> so the lessons we learned from gardening. So I know now to, um, especially if I've, if I've tightly packed them, to flip the, the silks over and give the plant a shake so that those, those um, silks at the bottom, which will be then the top little pieces of corn, 
um, gosh, that's a lot of words. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but so like now um, we had a whole crop of zucchini, more than we could ever eat, gave away heaps, preserved heaps, pulled the plants out when they started to get a bit mildewy. Uh, and I've replanted another round. We'll get another round of zucchini before the winter. Um, I've planted tomatoes because our tomato crop was terrible due to rain. So um, I actually just took a risk, pulled out uh, a lot of, because we've just had phenomenal rainfall in the Eastern Bay of Plenty this summer. We, we, have, we are definitely suffering tremendous impact of climate change. Um, so we, uh, I've pulled out the tomatoes and started again. It's warm and wet enough. It's going to be a wet autumn. Um, so I think that we, we should get a proper crop of tomatoes before the frost come in July. So, yeah, so I guess that's the lucky thing about living here. Is it rain like every day, all day rain, or is it sort of sunny all day and then tropical rainfall in the evening? No, it's rain on rain on rain. It just doesn't, it hasn't, it didn't stop raining for, I think we had 10 days of rain, which was reasonably heavy rain um, and then breaks of extremely severe heavy rain. Uh, and and it was just so much flooding. Our um, our drinking water in Fakatani comes from the Fakatani River, which has been running chocolate milk now for about two months. Um, I don't remember when I last saw the river run clear. And uh, everything everything's high, including all of our local lakes like Rotama, where you had your swim for the Kawani swim. That's like super high at the moment because of um, there's just been so much rain. So it stopped raining the day before yesterday. Jack and I, um, Jack rode to school yesterday, so I rode with him, which was really cool. Cool. So nice to be back on our bikes. Um, we've got no rain for two more days, then it comes back again. Are the roads holding together? Nope. They're all falling into the sea, <laughs> so oh, no. and what and all of the inland roads are cracking and broken and potholes everywhere. And um, the the roading crews are just amazing the work that they're doing. Um, just heaps of slips. You, you can't go anywhere without checking the roading network because and we're often cut off because the Matata Straits will slip and the um, the um, the hill going over to Rotorua will slip at multiple places. So then we just become completely isolated um, because, of course, the, the road from Oportiki to Gisborne, well, that's just a constant slip. So, yeah, any rain will get that tumbling back down again. Uh, and so it's kind of a bit alarming. And what was even more alarming was um, reading... Um, the message from the Prime Minister, which was a very stark reminder and a scary warning about two weeks ago after the Auckland flood, um, saying that this is going to have an impact on insurance. And it's only a matter of time until flooding events are no longer an insurable thing by our general insurance. Yeah. You have to feel for those people who say this is the fifth flood I've had in seven years. Yeah. And But you have to say, why are you still there? But presumably they're stuck. They are. Because if you've got a mortgage, what are you going to do? And um, I think that we're the worst is to come in that space. Because if you, you consider, well, I don't know what it's like down in Dunedin, but here um, we watched swamp after swamp after swamp get drained and built up and then flash houses built on it. And I just look at it and go, um, that's a swamp. <laughs> Why would you do that? And so I, I think that we have made a big problem for ourselves and that is set to get a lot worse yet. We're quite lucky where we are. We, while we are very close to the river, we're quite elevated. We're way more elevated than you would think. It's just a slow drive up 
hill to where we live. Um, so most of Fakatani would have to be underwater before we were, but most of Fakatani's been underwater before. We had um, some really severe flooding uh, in 2004. The Fakatani River rose by 16 metres, which is a phenomenal. That's a lot. You're not 16 metres up. We're not. We're six metres up. But yeah, <laughs> so that was, yeah, so it's it's not inconceivable that that will happen again. Um, but there's a, been a lot of, you know, like there's been a lot of clever engineers have come in and, and done heaps of the waterways and the way that water's stored and um, which will hopefully give us a bit more time. But climate change is real. Climate change is real. And it's, it's really weird that it's difficult to say this particular flood is because of climate change. See, you, so you can't prove climate change. But when you're asking that question on a, a few monthly basis, then yeah. then maybe asking the question, maybe maybe all of them is evidence of climate change. Yes, because how many one in a hundred year storms can you have in a year and yes. not ask that question, eh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But you rushed past something that Jack has, passed, has started high school? Yes. So he um, he started high school last week. Uh, I went to his porphyry, met his new form teacher, and Sam's education is so different from how it was for our for us when we were kids. You know, we I got to choose between typing and technical drawing, um, between woodwork, metalwork, cooking, and sewing. That they were my options. Jack's taking marine studies, where he's going on a dive trip to Fiji later this year. He's, and this is in a normal public school. This isn't a fancy school. It's a normal public school. Um, he's doing mechatronics, which has immediately become his favourite subject. Um, and he's got, uh, he's doing a year of Māori and a year of computer science, which he hasn't started yet. So I imagine that will be his first equal favourite subject. But just the stuff they get to do just blows my mind. And and so he gets up every day just so full of beans, off to school to learn something new, do something exciting. Um, he's joining the robotics club, uh, the EPRO8 club, um, and uh, there's a mountain biking club as well. So on a Friday, one of the teachers takes all the kids who want to mountain bike in the school van to the local, local mountain bike park and rides with them and then drops them all off. You know, like the things our teachers do to support the kids pretty amazing hey but the opportunities for him blow my mind that's so cool that that's such an interesting range of things that he's doing yeah, it is and on top of that he's got his english math science social studies or oh, design thinking is a compulsory program at katani high school so every single year nine and year 10 students so what we called form one and two is it form one or two? no form three and four sorry Form three and four, those, all of those kids, Jack's age group, have to do design thinking. Um, they have a class that runs for a whole term as a compulsory subject alongside maths and English and science. So I think that's amazing. And what are they doing in that? They're given a problem to solve. Um, they solve problems individually. They solve problems um, as groups. And it could be uh, a design problem to solve. It could be something needs to be invented to solve this other problem. It could be just a, an academic problem they're given to solve, but it's all about cultivating that, which we've talked about on this show so many times. And the yeah. high school's now doing that. So maybe they listened. Maybe they did. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> so yeah, I'm stoked. And he's stoked, of course, because he just loves to problem solve. That's the way he's wired. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's really good. But uh, I'm thinking of uh, Ron Wakari, who we interviewed a year or so ago. Uh, his book um, just blew my mind, which was designed for a non-human-centred world. Uh, and that I'm hopeful that what I got from that book is the kind of thing Jack will get from the course. Yeah, that'll be really cool. good. Ron will be excited to hear that. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. To, I'm going to go find him when I go to Vancouver in June. In June. Yeah, that'll be good. Go and sit and talk to him about his book and all his other cleverness. Yeah. So what music have you got to play? I can't read oh, that in my writing here. You can tell it, me. It's called A Shenandoah Lullaby. It's by Jerry Garcia uh, of The Grateful Dead. Oh, he, he's passed or long passed away now, but Jerry Garcia and David Grisman from an album called Not For Kids Only. And actually, it's one of my most favourite albums. I love this. Uh, but the song, I, it's not, there's not anything particular about it other than I just really love the song. That's a good reason. Yeah. Oh, Shenandoah, I long to the world 
these holidays Sam? I have we have done lots of walking um, and yeah so just uh, we had lots of people here for Christmas and they stayed for a long time um, and the morning that they left we left as well um, and we went up to the Tongariro circuit we did the Tongariro circuit uh, that's um, Leslie and myself does that include the crossing? Um, yeah, it includes the steep bits of the crossing. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it starts at, um, it starts at Whakapapa, um, and it's got a, you walk across, you spend the day walking across to the start of the crossing. Um, it's a little bit disconcerting that you've walked for a day and you get to the um, Mangatapopo hut and there's a sign to the car park, um, which is... <laughs> Which is the car park for the crossing, but it's it's well done. It's out of sight and it, it's even out of hearing. So it's it's sort of twenty minutes or so from the hut down um, down and around. So that's sort of through a um, it, it's what is it? What is mostly in there? It's um, sort of a low scrub. Um, the the track there is in terrible state. Um, it's like they've forgotten to maintain it. It's just completely washed out. But of course, the problem, the why it's like that, is that it's a, uh, it's on pumice. Right. So there's a, there's, a, there's layers of pumice in the soil, and wherever people walk in any sort of numbers and repeatedly, just sinks away. 
Right. So the track itself is sort of like in a big tunnel almost through the, the land. So it's just it's so th- that day's not steep, but it's the hardest work just because you're forever having to clamber up or down and, and things. So, um, particularly those of us with knees held together with sellotape, that's quite a difficult day. Um, and they got to the um, Mangatapopo hut, <clears throat> um, and quite abruptly it tunes into a into a subalpine um, landscape, um, a subalpine volcanic landscape. So it's sort of like got those two two sort of intersecting um, effects on there. Um, yeah, and then the the next day up is up the across the, the crossing. So you're going up the up the valley up. Um, up past Soda Strings, and 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 it's it's mind blowing how many people there are on that track. Mm. It's um, I I was up wandering around at six o'clock in the morning, and there were people doing the crossing already. Oh, um, And that is a, a constant stream of people. I don't know how many people it actually is every day, but in the thousands, it's just it's just remarkable. Um, and if anybody thinks that the tourists aren't back in Dunedin, they're wrong. In New Zealand, they're wrong because the ones that are doing the Tongariro crossing are there. That's so good. We, we might not have the big numbers of of Chinese bus parties, sort of that sort of tourism might not be back. But the people that do the crossing are here. Um, are they leaving any mess behind? Is it is everyone keeping it nice and clean and tidy? yeah, spotless. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really you couldn't you couldn't throw a, a sweet wrapper down because the the ten people behind you would would tell you off. Good. Um, it's an interesting track because it goes. It's quite steep. In fact, it's, in some parts, it's very steep. Um, and you go up the first of the the rises, and there's a sign that says um, <laughs> there's these demotivational signs, big. Like life-size person dock signs, hold, you know, dock person signs holding up with with a sign. And it says, um, if you're feeling a bit tired, turn back. Demotivational <laughs> um, signs. Yeah. I love um, that. If you can't, if if you if the mountain looks like this, it's okay. And if the mountain looks like this, but cloudy, turn back. Then you go up the next the next hill, and it said, well done. That was the easy bit. Uh, <laughs> that was the easy bit. If you're feeling a bit tired, turn back. And it goes on and on like this. It, it says you walk up this this very 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 steep one. And it says, okay, that one was a bit steep, but the steepest stuff to come. If you can't cope, turn back. There's like five of these signs up the hill. That's um, so good. And and you feel like you've been going forever climbing up this really really steep um, thing. And it says it's from here. It's two hours to halfway. <laughs> <laughs> turn back. It's not too late to turn back. Um, but it's amazing. So it goes up to the um, the, the south crater and then up to up a steep um, a, a steep ridge up to red crater, which is you know actually like red um, and has steam coming out the side of it. And then you go down a scree slope, which is I don't know understand how there's not um, there's not injuries every single day on it. We saw somebody helicoptered off it um, oh, that no. broken broken the leg. Oh, nice. And down to the um, down to the Emerald Lakes, which are really cool. And then you go down. In fact, my favourite bit of the, that track was two favourite bits of the track were going down the um, Otaruri Valley, which is coming down from uh, Red Crater, 
I haven't quite figured out the and it's all these volcanic landforms like big lumps of rock but they're all sort of misshapen and twisted around and things and it's the that when that flow was happening it was glaciated so there was ice there so it's the interaction of the ice and the the, the hot volcanic rock um and the the store the my understanding is that the ice beats rock yeah. the mass of ice cools the rock down super fast and so you get strange shapes in it you would have thought that if you put a i would have thought that if you put a volcanic rock on a big lump of ice it would just like melt its way through through but no there's so much ice that it's it while it's melting locally there's there's just this bulk of ice um cooling the rock down so that was very very cool um was there any snow when you were there no no and then the the one two third the third day is a stunning walk across the to the waihonohonu um face across to a stunning new hut uh, the waihonohonu hut is like a palace it's brand new and it's just amazing you could you could go there and have just just go there and have a as a resort um but it's going across a I've always thought I've always been a bit disappointed by the desert road. It's not very deserty. It's really um, not. But but the but it's not that far. At, at, at night, you can see the the the, road, the lights on the desert road in the distance. Oh, it's proper desert, and it's just an incredible landscape, incredible um, land, incredible land, and incredible plants. Like like um, like I've I've seen that kind of desert. La- uh, landscape and and plant life and stuff in the states, but not anywhere else. Mm. Um, and it really is like that. It's like a gravel base um, with the occasional twisted tree and the occasional. There's got these really interesting vegetation mounds. It's like a. It looks like a. It looks like a little mound. So you think, oh, why is there a sort of a little mound there? But then when you realise what it is, is it would there would have just been like one rock there. And then some vegetation got a hold on that rock, and then there's a, a, a tree essentially underneath it. But that's sort of like forming the soil, and then there is loads of other plants clinging to that. Um, it's really, really, really weird. Um, and of course, being a being a botanist, um, that was I, I could have looked at that all day, and I did get accused of taking a photograph of every plant in that valley. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then you walk, you walk to the hut. As I say, stunning hut. And then the last day is essentially walking out in the gap between um, the northern Tongariro group um, and the, the Ruapehu and stuff um, through that valley back out to uh, Whakapapa. So yeah, it's a it's a stunning track. I I don't know that I'd need to do it again. Hmm. Um, it's the the. The cross, the, the day that people are doing the crossing is certainly a steep day. Um, um, but I would, I would like to see, I'd like to go in, I'd like to day trip in, uh, which I think you could do from the, the, the Waihonohono um, way is only an hour from the desert road. Oh, so there's, there's a way to, de- there's a way to day trip in from there. So I think the next time I'm passing through there, I'll, I'll actually spend a day walking in there, going up to that. That desert um, landscape again. Mm. Um, yeah, so that that was a good trip. Oh, and we, on the way back, 
we um, drove down the Wanganui River Road. Oh. So that's cool. that's that's really cool. It only added I've forgotten how many it was it was minutes it added to the journey, but it was spectacular. And like the that whole day of driving essentially, I think we saw two cars coming the other way. So nobody goes that way. So yeah. it's just it's just amazing. In fact, it's it's advertised as a bike trail because there's so few cars go that way. Um, but if you're ever driving that way, I would highly recommend um, going going that way. Is that the road that goes? Did you go through Ratahi? Now you're asking questions. I don't know the answer to. I'm pretty sure I've driven that road. It's quite it's quite windy and narrow, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite. So we turn. So you turn right at. Let's see where you turn right at. Yes, Ratahi down a really really down at the Ratahi Road down to the river. Um, yep. That, that that road in itself is like a should be a tourist attraction, but isn't because <laughs> no one goes there. Because that was that scope went through an absolutely stunning landscape. Um, yeah, and then it gets down to the down to what's it called? Um, down, yeah, down to the to the river. I've, I've been quite keen to do the do the walk mm. up the the walk and 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 um, boat up the the Wanganui. Yeah, and just down through those tiny little isolated. Um, like tiny little communities in the middle of nowhere. Um, um, yeah, down down through. Oh, there's, there was a really cool. Um, I really liked the. There's a fossil bank, reasonably close to the Wanganui end. Um, it, I think it's called Shell Cliffs, and it's, it's the the road cutting goes through these these giant cliffs that tower hundreds of meters above you, um, and in them, it's. There's like how big are they? Almost dinner size, dinner plate sized oysters. What? Um, and there's like great lumps of these oysters falling out all over the road, and they're oh, they're solid. They're, and they're I think they're two and a half million years old. Oh my gosh! Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I liked I liked that a lot. Right, we need to leave space for Tahu. Let's do that here. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dineen's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, kotako hau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day, who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here, making things better. Thank you. Now, I know that for us all, the last more than three years have been very challenging, and it's so important that we give ourselves and each other the care, the kindness, the compassion, the time, the understanding, the love, that we also richly deserve and need at this time of recovery and processing and recalibration. I know for myself in dealing with the aftermath of long COVID, I've been so grateful for the support of everybody around me and of course being part of this show is a huge pleasure and privilege. So thank you to Sam and the whole Blame Rebels team for having me. I speak to you today on my way to my heart's home workplace, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, having had a lovely meeting with 
my dear friend Alicia from the Botanic Gardens about doing a wonderful education program together. This is very exciting and of course we're very lucky to work with the Botanic Gardens and they raise some of our kaka for us and incubate them at the Botanic Gardens and they then come to Orokunu to be wild and free which is wonderful. And at the moment we're very lucky we just banded 14 fledging kaka yesterday so the kaka population is doing really really well and we also banded our two takahe tricks so of course this got me thinking about all these initiations that we move through in our lives not just of course as human animals but all life moves through these different phases of growth and change and learning new skills leaving old skills old ways of being behind and of course for all of us we are in this process again now this time of covid has taught us all many new skills and has encouraged us to bring new aspects of ourselves forward so it's quite interesting for me of course to speak with everybody and hear about the shifts and changes that have been coming to the fore in their life and I know for the show that's a big focus all of those new vistas of wonder coming into being being able to be seen and appreciated in new ways and of course thinking about our native birds and what it's like to be a bird to fly over the landscape to see the big picture to be able to move to that height and then swoop down to find tasty morsels, to find shelter. This of course is a beautiful metaphor for what we've all been having to do over the last several years, which is be able to take a step back and take stock of the situation, to see the bigger picture, to see what opportunities are are available and to see how that reality is unfolding, to see what may come in the future and what skills we can really appreciate having gained in the past. And of course what we see now is this really fascinating time that we find ourselves in where we've had this shared experience and we've had this you know really unique and life-changing experience for everybody in different ways we've all come together because of this and now of course we can move forward into the future having learned a lot having gained a lot and i hope being able to draw upon those commonalities of experience to be able to support each other creatively, emotionally, spiritually, to bring new, really positive things into the world. I'm heading off now to teach the beautiful Goldfields Primary, so I'm very excited about that, all the way from Omarama. And again, just a reminder of, you know, how diverse our daily lives are and how important it is when we come together to acknowledge and listen and support each other to share and really enjoy that biodiversity in action. So thank you so much for having me. I hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you are, and I'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks so much. Ka You are listening to Blowing Bubbles. It's on, me and Moira having a chat, catch up over the summer today. On your, um, just like last week, last week you were away on another walk, and I've, yes. I saw the photos. They were amazing. Where did you go? We did the Paparoa, the new track through the Paparoa uh, National Forest, National Park, um, which is from Blackball to Punakaiki. Oh, so you weren't even that far from home. Yeah, we were. It's a long drive. Oh, is it? How long it's, did it get 
Um, Google says it's seven and a half hours. Oh, yeah, that's a long time. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we drove, we went all the way there in one go and then broke up the way back. Um, yeah, we would have got there a bit sooner, but there was a crash at Arthur's Pass, so we were parked at Arthur's Pass for four hours. Um, weirdly, the the cafe closed at four o'clock with thousands of cars on the road, thousands of closed. captive customers. Four o'clock, we're closing. Just weird. Um, yeah, weird. so it was a um, yeah, it's a track I would definitely do again. It was a it's it's a new track that was built for dual purpose walking and mountain biking. That's cool. So the and I thought that's what you know you're going to get run over by cyclists all the time. Um, we saw each day we saw two two cyclists. Um, so um, because because of that the the track is built with no more than a I think it's a six percent grade. Yep. So it's it's cyclable and no steps. Oh, okay. So um, it sounds like a nice walk then. Yeah, so it made it really, really nice to walk. the 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 surface is a bit like walking, for some of it at least, it's a bit like walking on railway ballast. So okay. it's a little bit sort of tiring on your feet walking on that that kind of lumpy gravel. Um, but for me, not having to go up any steps just made all the difference. That was a that was a fabulous thing. So you're still covering, you're still getting up high. Um, so it's still you're, you're up into tussock. And above, mm. um, and it was, yeah, it absolutely hosed down the whole first day. Like, torrential, torrential rain. Um, so I, I decided that because it was a track that was built for cyclists, it would be wide enough to take to take an umbrella. So I carried an umbrella. So I was the driest person. <laughs> Might have looked the silliest, but I was also the driest. So I don't care. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was a, it's a fabulous. So the first day is walk through that kind of rainforest, um, up to the Cess Clark cut, which follows the track of an old track, a hundred and something years old track of, um, miners. Um, interestingly, that track was built with doing things that had stone culverts. So the, and there were, um, like cobblestone, they were all laid out and things. So That's it was cool. interesting that those had survived that long. It suggests that there's a really good way of building stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, then you say the first half and then you're walking the entire second and most of the third day, you're walking along a ridgeline um, up in the tussock um, with, with a side trip to get above that into subalpine. Mm. Um so, and it's on, uh, um, this includes uh, going across several coal measures. So it's got um, the, not just the coal, but that same sort of layered uh, rocks, um, including, you know, nice layers of quartz and things in it. And um, so it was really interesting from that perspective. And of course, that's got brings with it a different vegetation. Um, lots of the rayolia, the, um, the cushion plants um found an edelweiss you don't see many edelweiss no. um, around so that was that was um that was nice um yeah so you, and you so you're walking up to what's called the moonlight tops hut which is a brand new hut a beautiful hut um which overlooks 
the escarpment. The escarpment's got a, I don't know how long it actually is, but we walked down it for perhaps five or six K and I think it's, we're only like halfway down it. So, and it's a big limestone, well, it's got like limestone with layers of other stuff in it, limestone and granite layers, I think, um, that sticks out, that's kind of flat on the, flattish on the right hand side, the eastern side, which I think is called the Pike Plateau. Um, and like a big, big drop down the, the right hand side into the into the valley. You walk to that. That's where about halfway down that there's a there's a place where the Pike River, the I think it's gonna be called the Pike twenty nine track will join on. Right. Which comes from the Pike River mine car park. And you can see as you're walking down that hill um, down that escarpment, there's the hill covered in front of you. Has got a couple. It's got like a hut halfway up it, and a thing that looks like a helicopter landing pad somewhere else on it. And the looking at the maps, the Pike River portal is at like ten kilometers around the down the valley and around the corner. And those things are marked on the map as the vent shafts for the mine. Oh. So the mine, you don't you just don't it just didn't occur to me how massive those mines are how far into the hill they go um because this is a whopping great hill yeah with these vents on it um so yeah those so you don't sort of realize just how big it is you see the pictures and it's just sort of like this this portal of this thing going into the side of a hill you know oh, yeah they're just going down and doing a bit no it's, this is like they're going a long way into that hill yeah then you go down the side of the escarpment which is an engineering feat because down the side of this cliff in a way that's you can get a mountain bike down is is remarkable yeah then you go across to a, another new hut which is actually identical to the last one um the periri um hut and then oh there's some really nice patches of it's mostly beach beach forest which always disappoints me a bit because beach forest i think is a bit boring um <laughs> but there are patches and, and they've 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 taken i think they've purposely taken the track over to a patch of podocarp, mostly mostly rimu, which was just stunning to see the different sort of diversity that you get in that sort of forest. And then it goes down the um, Parari River, um, Parari River, isn't it? It's Parari, um, all the way up to Punakaiki, and that's like a, that's a different sort of rainforest because that's a tropical coastal rainforest. Uh, lots and lots of nikau palms, lots of ferns. Um, yeah, more sort of open than the more dense rainforest that you've been going through. Yeah, and then down the river mostly for the day at, out to Punakaiki. And then did you have a ride? Is there like a is this a ride you can get back to your car? Oh, we did it. We did it the other way. We left our car at that end and got a oh, got a shuttle to the start. Cool. Um, we should have. We hadn't for this for for like ten dollars less for two people. Um, you could have had your car tr- relocated, so you leave your key in a lockbox at the start, and they'll just move it to the end. Um, but that's okay; we'll do that next time. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a fabulous trip, and as I say, it's it's one that I would do again. It's an easy way into an easy way into a really varied landscape. Um, yeah, and as I say, it was. I, I thought it would be a bit weird having the cyclists and and the um, the walkers on the same track. But when there's a total, when there's only twenty, when there's only twenty beds in the huts, 
there's not that many people to get in each other's way on the track. And so if you set off at, you set off at different times, if the cyclists set off last, they're going to have to pass everyone. So yeah. if, if the walkers wait for the cyclists to go, then you're not going to see them again. Exactly. So did you how how uh, what was the occupancy like of the hut? Was were oh, there was that full. many people on the track? Oh, it was. Did you yeah. have to book? Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, is there any way to charge uh, e-bikes? No, you're not allowed e-bikes on it. Oh, that's interesting in itself. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Um, Probably. Yeah, but you would think that it would it would enable people to be able to do it. Yeah, because I was thinking but, I'd love to go and do that on my e-bike, but yeah. Yeah, it's no. There's there's not a way to charge e-bikes. I mean, maybe that's why they've decided not to let them in. I suspect it's so that people don't just like hoon through the whole thing and just treat it as a one-day thing, which e-bikes would let you do. I mean, I, I imagine that the really fit type people, really fit and strong mountain bikers, could get through it in a day anyway. But it would be kind of pointless. Why would you not want to stop and enjoy it? Exactly, and and e-bikes e-bikes just enable you, as you said, they they enable you to go and do stuff. They they don't necessarily enable you to do it so fast you miss out on everything. So that's in, that's interesting. It'll be quite interesting to see how many trails have got that restriction on it. Yeah. When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out. Yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I haver, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's havering to you. But I would walk five hundred
But you know that that is not called 500 miles. That is called I'm Gonna. Is it really? Indeed. So, questions to end the show. How are we going to do this? I know. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Without any preparation, just for the ones that spring to mind, what's been the favourite thing that somebody has said about the most success they've had in the last year? Um, every time people talk about the impact of their good deeds, it makes me happy. How about you? Yeah, yeah I think so. And I think it's the... Yeah, you're right. And it's it's sometimes you know that someone has done something amazing and then they talk about something else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's always it's always weird that I don't know if it's just sort of like not I wonder if it's just a thing about being humble about that really cool thing yeah. or if it's actually this is the thing that's like got the publicity. But this thing over here is what I'm really proud of. I love that. I just love that people have always got an answer of something in their life that's working. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like the it's not the opposite of hope, but it's the proof of hope. It absolutely is. That's a really good way of looking at it. Same question, any superpower answers that you've liked? Um, I think I've got a superpower for gardening and I didn't know. I had no <laughs> idea, but everybody says to me, "Mahweda, you've got such good green fingers." And I had never considered myself to be someone who could grow stuff like I do now. Uh, and so, yeah, this is a new superpower for me, the ability to turn these little hard things into food, little seeds into food. <laughs> that, that makes me happy. How about you? Oh, for me, in terms of what mine is, I think it's about, I think it's about being able to, to see creative, being able to see the system and being able to use that system's thinking to, to find creative solutions. I like that. That is an excellent superpower. Reminds me of Neo in the Matrix. Yep, I should just plug my head in here. <laughs> How's your activism going? Uh, it's always going. There's always things to do. Uh, I've got a meeting next week to talk to a funder uh, about, with somebody else actually, somebody contacted me and said they've got this idea for supporting Fano who have got autistic children in the system and there's no support for the rest of the family. So they contacted me and said, let's get some funding organised. So I said, cool, and we've got a meeting next week for that. So um, there, there are there are, there's never a shortage of problems to solve, which is good for me because I like problem solving. How's your activism going, Sam? It's been having a summer holiday. <laughs> I actively turned off email notifications. That is a, that's a blimmin' miracle. Which I don't normally do. No. I'm, I'm normally stay connected, but I actively turned stuff off this year. I've Returned to work. I, I worked a bit in the middle of the January, but returned to work properly on uh, yesterday. And you know, I've got quite some digging out to do. Um, I imagine. But, but it's it was such a it was such a relief not not being connected to that sort of stuff all the time. Good. Right, we run out of time. Any advice for listeners? Go well, be happy. Sounds good to me. Thank you, Mawira. This is Corella Corella in the summertime Singing out to everyone Corella in the summertime
their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic, Tipu Kanga. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is the self-announced Summertime in Aotearoa by Corella. I'm Samuel Van in Soyuz Bay in Dunedin, and I've been joined by Mawira Karatai in Fakatani. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Nati Wa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.